I didn't want to be the only one. I'm glad you told me. Good afternoon, everyone. Dr. Jacqueline King here, and I am excited to be with you again. I'm the CEO and founder of Black Women Empowered. And as you know, we bring exciting people to you doing exciting things, amazing things, and things that will educate, inspire, and uplift you. So today is, is you will not be disappointed. We have um, Bianca Dick. Dickerson Williams, and she is an amazing woman. I've grown to love her already, and we really haven't been connected that long, but she is just sweet and amazing and doing some amazing things. So from early age, Bianca Dickerson Williams had a passion for law and filmmaking and a deep desire to impact the legal community for justice and wanted to be on the right side of it. She pursued her passion. Bianca holds a bachelor's degree in communications communication arts, radio, TV, and film from the University of Wisconsin-Madison and a JD degree from Western Michigan University, Thomas M. Cooley Law School, and is certified electronic evidence discovery. She has spent her career in the legal profession providing consultative subject matter expert expertise to clients and companies, law firms, and government agencies involved in controlling and mitigating risk as well as a variety of legal disputes and investigation. What Bianca never imagined is that one day she would be waging her own fight for justice, publicly discussing her traumatic experience in the delivery room and a healthcare system that is stacked against African-American and indigenous mothers. Uh, given Bianca's film experience, she excuse me, experience and training, she took her story to the camera and created a short documentary, Black Moms at Risk, which has won numerous film festivals, um, awards, selections, and Bian Bianca is a member of AKA Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, Enrose Inc. alumni, and Caliber Executive Leadership Council. She lives in Los Angeles area with her husband and her two children, who are her greatest achievements. And so welcome, welcome, Queen. Thank uh, you so much, Dr. Jackie, for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Well, we're excited. And um, the topic is something that is going to um, probably maybe educate some and uh, enlighten others. And maybe many of our followers have experienced it too. So Bianca, first of all, tell us exactly why you're so interested in educating on this matter. Sure. Um, it's for a multitude of reasons, but I'll stick with the high-level ones um, for the purposes of our discussion today. Um, it became so apparent to me going through my legal journey, as well as my medical journey, regarding the amount of information that we have access to as people of color in terms of resources, what type of birthing process should we have? Should we involve a doula? Should we involve a midwife? And I think that your younger generations, you know, let's say 20 to 45 year old uh, adults, um, they don't have the education or understanding about how we gave birth historically. So before there were these large, you know, healthcare systems and hospitals and institutions where we go in and they hook us to different machines and they help us in the delivery process. At one point in time, we would simply have a midwife or doula and we would give birth at home. 
And I think that over the last, you know, 50 years, we've become more reliant upon technology and listening to what our doctors tell us versus listening to what our grandmother may have told us because she had 10 children and going back to a more natural and organic way of having a childbirthing experience. And I was catastrophically injured while giving birth to my second child at UCLA Hospital. Uh, it was a routine vaginal birth. And while my daughter was being pushed out, um, the nurse dropped my leg. She was holding up my leg. There were no stirrups. And when she dropped my leg, at that time, I was under an epidural. So I didn't feel anything from the waist down and wasn't aware at that point um, that I had been severely injured. And uh, it led to what I describe as a nightmare journey, um, a very catastrophic experience. But I think out of the darkness and out of all the ashes, I'm starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel because what I realize, and to answer your question more directly, is just how little we know about the legal process as well as the medical process. So if something happens to you at a healthcare facility or with a physician or doctor that you may have, what is your recourse in terms of getting justice for yourself or financial uh, stability again when you're spending, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars on medical bills? You know, when you look at COVID and what happened to black and brown communities in relation to other communities, you know, very often we had the highest death rate mm -hmm. and we didn't necessarily have access to the best healthcare systems to get those shots. And I think that the reason why I've been so vocal and outspoken about what has happened is that I believe that we have all sort of believed this myth that the reason why African-Americans or black and brown communities um, have a shorter life expectancy or don't go to the doctor as often as they should. Oftentimes we're blamed as the reason why we have certain medical conditions. Well, you have diabetes because you eat too much candy and too much junk food. You're not taking care of yourself properly. Well, the reason why black women, you know, get breast cancer and die of breast cancer more frequently than white women is because um, they're in a lower socioeconomic bracket and they don't have access to a good physician and a good doctor. And they didn't go to college or they didn't graduate from high school. So it's put them in an environment where they can't get certain access. And I'm here to tell you that that's not true. <laughs> and the reason why that's not true is because I didn't fall into any of those categories. Um, I am well-educated. Uh, like you mentioned previously, I have a Juris Doctor degree. Um, I'm a lawyer. I was living in a well-to-do neighborhood, actually within walking distance of the hospital where I gave birth. I had phenomenal healthcare insurance. I had a Blue Cross Blue Shield PPO. Um, life was, for all intents and purposes, very good for me. And statistically speaking, I was not supposed to be uh, a part of the group in terms of what they typically see happening to a Black woman during mm -hmm. childbirth. Mm -hmm. So when I began to assess, hey, why did this happen to me? You know, because the myths that I've heard are, well, this happens to Black women because they're not educated. Well, I was educated. Well, this happens to Black women because they don't have good health care insurance. Well, I had the top of the line health care insurance. Well, this happens to Black women because they don't live in a neighborhood where they have access to a good health care system. Well, that wasn't the case. I live within walking distance of UCLA Hospital, which is where I gave birth, and uh, also within walking distance of Beverly Hills. So I want you to process that for a moment. And think about all of those reasons, because those are the reasons that we typically hear that we experience bad healthcare outcomes in our communities. But here I am 
And I didn't fit into any of those. And when I looked myself in the mirror, no pun intended, the only thing that I could come up with that made logical sense uh, based on what I experienced was race and the color of my skin and the texture of my hair when I was observed by hospital staff, nurses and doctors. And what I think I need people to really process and really understand is if someone can walk into a church in the Carolinas and murder a pastor of a church and members of their congregation while they're praying because of racist ideology and beliefs, what makes you think that the same thing cannot occur in the hospital or any other sacred institution? Because we're all taught to believe that we're supposed to trust our doctors. You know, doctors, you know, if you will, are like Santa Claus. They're never going to cause harm to you. They're going to always make you feel good and feel better. But that's not what the data is showing us. The data is showing us something far more alarming. Wow. I, um, I want to welcome all of our guests. I, um, there's an interesting comment here, and I believe his name is Bo Stubberfield, and I'm not sure what the last name is, but he did a nice comment. He said, thank you for this critical program. I've been a Black healthcare executive and health equity champion for more than 40 years. This includes fighting infant mortality as the president of Healthy Mothers and Babies Coalition of Chicago. I am also the proud dad of two black and biracial young adult daughters. Thank you um, both for saying that. I really do appreciate it. Uh, please share the broadcast. I know it's Sunday and people are with their families, but if you can share it, help us get this message out, that would really be great for us. Paul Bisson says, I think that single Father is why I've been so vocal and uh, outspoken about what's happening. That is, I believe, um, that was a myth. I'm not sure what that means, but I'm just reading some of the comments. But but um, we know that, especially in COVID, so not only did we not have the, the best medical um, care, uh, a lot of us were in jobs that we didn't have any choice to be in that was going to expose us, bus drivers, factories, all of that. You either went to work or you didn't have a job, right? Yes. And, you know, I think that what you said is typically what we hear as the reason or, if you will, the justification as to why we have bad healthcare outcomes. Well, most Black and brown people are hourly employees. You know, they don't have a job that gives them the flexibility to take you know, paid time off and not have financial disruption. But the reality of it is I can tell you several people that I knew personally, again, that were pharmacists who passed away um, and they were providing you know, prescriptions to sick individuals as they came in and when they made contact, they developed COVID. I know physicians and nurses who contracted COVID and passed away from it. I have had, uh, Dr. Jackie, in my speaking engagements after the engagement is over, women come up to me, nurses and doctors, and say, I gave birth at my own hospital where I worked as a clinical practitioner, and I received the same care that you've described for yourself. So how is that possible? So it's happening to every socioeconomic group, every educational level, and I don't want your listeners to walk away thinking that this is only happening to certain socioeconomic groups, certain levels of education. This is happening across the board, regardless of that, 
two black women and two black mothers. And if you don't mind, I want to share some statistics with you because that is what this conversation is truly based on and the foundation as to why I speak out. Because most people don't know these numbers. And when they hear the numbers, they are flabbergasted. I've been, you know, in, in meetings and people's jaws drop, like, are you serious? I had never heard of this before. So let me give you a few of them. According to the Department of Health and the Center for Disease Control, Black women are three times more likely to die from pregnancy-related complications or causes than a white woman. The United States of America has the highest maternal mortality rate amongst developed countries. In California, which is where I currently reside, Black women are six times more likely to die due to complications within the first year of pregnancy than a white woman. In the U.S., Black women are three to four times more likely to die from pregnancy-related complications. Let's continue. Black women have a 70% increased risk for severe maternal morbidity, followed by Indigenous women as the next highest level. So if you marinate on that for a second, just even that last statistics, Black women have a 70% increased risk for severe maternal morbidity. So morbidity and mortality, we're talking about someone dying in childbirth or someone being catastrophically injured, such as myself, um, where it alters their life and they're on permanent disability or require lifelong treatment, or they die later from complications. Let's say that, you know, they get home and they have a blood clot and then they hemorrhage or something to that effect. But I didn't know these statistics when I went in to give birth to either of my children. It wasn't until I began the legal process of suing the hospital where I began to understand, you know, systemically what is actually happening to women of color in the United States. And the fact that we have the worst maternal health statistics out of any developed country in the world is mind blowing because, you know, we watch TV, the United States is on the cutting edge of medical uh, medicine, technology. We have access to several uh, practitioners that people in other countries don't have access to. So the question becomes, well, how do you explain these statistics to people? How do you how do you tell a 25 year old woman who is having her first child and is newly married how we have the statistics that we have? Yeah. So what I admire the most about you, Bianca, is that you didn't just um, take this and sit on it. You did something about it. So you started a nonprofit. Talk about that. Sure. So the name of our nonprofit is called Fighting Our Injustices for Women of Color. And our mission is to improve uh, implicit bias and create a platform so that we have uniform uh, healthcare treatment and we combat racial disparities and discrimination in the healthcare field or any other systemic institution, whether that be a uh, high school, a police department, because systemic racism has penetrated every institution in the United States. That's what our country was founded on. So you will see the same statistics in education. You will see these same statistics in the legal system when you look at criminal justice. You know, most of the people that are incarcerated right now are African-American men. We African-American men have the highest percentage of incarceration in the United States. That's not a coincidence. You know, when you look at the statistics for who's more likely to graduate from high school or college, it's not African-Americans. So you see it everywhere across the board. And I think that we know that we don't get treated well by police. We know that we may not get promoted on a job 
as quickly mm-hmm. as someone that is Caucasian. But I don't believe that we were really aware of how it impacts us with our own physicians. Because I think we've been trained, especially in the United States, to believe and trust everything a doctor says. And in my dealings with my nonprofit, what I often hear from women is, I went in and I was complaining week after week, month after month, and they didn't listen to me. They didn't believe me. I couldn't even convince them of the symptoms that I was having. It was almost as if this was all in my head. So what we're striving to do um, at Fighting Our Justice for Women of Color is that when they have gone through a medical situation, we look to connect them to attorneys in the legal practice arena to ensure that they preserve their right to sue the hospital or the doctors. We also provide them with educational resources such as doulas, midwives, and this is free of charge. There's no cost for this. Um, and many people don't even realize that they can get access to these individuals for free. And truly they act the same way that a nurse will, but they're not biased. They're not employees of the hospital. And I want you to sit on that for a second. Cops are employees of a police department. So it behooves both of them to look out for one another. A nurse's job is to care for you, but she is employed by a hospital or a healthcare system. Her paycheck and her high livelihood come from a hospital system. So at the end of the day, she's gonna look out for her healthcare system and her paycheck before she will a patient. And that is just a hard reality that we have to accept and understand because that is what the data is showing us. So we're really acting as a liaison between the legal community and the medical community, and we're providing educational resources and essentially a roadmap for ensuring that you have a safe pregnancy. And when it does go wrong, that you have the proper tools and resources uh, to get to the next step. We are an advocacy nonprofit and we're here to help. And you can find our website at www.fightingourinjustices.com. Uh, you can also call us at area code 310-579-9896. And our email address is info at fightingourinjustices.com. Um, so we're, we're here really just to be a resource. And I think the scariest part for me, Dr. Jackie, during this whole experience has been the realization that even as a lawyer myself, with legal training and having sat through three years of law school mm-hmm. and coming from a family uh, of, of law enforcement agents and criminal justice. I showed up for my trial earlier this year in 2023 and I witnessed severe judicial bias by the judge, by the defendants, attorneys, even my own attorney. And there were so many moments while I was sitting there and I could process oh my goodness, that's not supposed to be happening. This isn't supposed to be happening. And then I had this light bulb moment of, oh my goodness, what happened to me medically is also happening to me legally. And if I wasn't a lawyer myself, I wouldn't even realize what's going on. The average person that goes to trial or sue someone and has settlement negotiation conversations, it goes over their head because the legal jargon is truly like speaking another language. And if you've never been exposed to it, when you hear it, it sounds like you know Spanish or Chinese you know, as an African-American person. So we're getting hit in multiple directions when you truly look at what's happening to us in Black maternal health. Yeah, it, and it's like you said, it's just, it really is not just the healthcare system. It's everywhere. I mean, it's I, everywhere. I worked for the largest electric and gas company in New Jersey, and I can't even believe 
honestly that I survived it for 26 years. When I look back on it, I know it was just the grace of God because if I could tell you some of the things that were done to me, said to me, you wouldn't believe it. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really thankful that you are, are speaking out on this and, um, and we're working together on this. I ask that everyone who views this, share this on your network, because the only way we're going to be able to educate is for you to help us. Even though we have millions of followers, we still need your help. So please share. I thank everyone for the comments. There are so many comments. I can't read them all. But um, I'll just say, I'll call out some names. Thank you, um, Elaine, uh, Kenya, Diane, Allen, and Aretha. Um, these are some of the ones that are commenting. I just, it's, it's, the screen is going so fast. I can't, <laughs> I can't possibly read all of your, your contributions, but keep them coming. Uh, we, we really um, thank you for contributing and, and hope that you will help us share and get this message out. So, um, what advice would you give um, someone that's, you know, in, in that position or just getting ready to start being in that position, going to the doctor, already gone through it? What advice do you have? Bianca? Sure. So the first thing that I would start with, you know, for all of the listeners, whether you're male or female, you have to believe and you have to know, regardless of your level of education, no one knows your body better than you. You've been in it and you've been living in it for however long. Doctors are trained to help us when we have a medical emergency or when we're addressing, let's say for instance, giving birth or we're going in for surgery to address a potential problem that we may have. But at the end of the day, whether you make it out alive in a medical proceeding is truly in your hands because you do have the ability to prepare for it and to make sure that you have all of your ducks in a row. And what I mean by that is this, if, for instance, you're going in uh, to deliver a child for the first time, you can have what is called a birth plan. You have the ability and the discretion to choose whether or not you have an at-home birth in a bathtub, whether you go into a hospital, whether or not you have a C-section, whether or not you have a vaginal birth. You can have those conversations with your doctor and they can properly advise you. However, ultimately what happens is your choice. And I want to empower all of the listeners to, to know and to have confidence in the fact that you have the right to choose what is best for your body and what is best for your family. I feel that we give too much control to the doctors and then we wind up in these situations where we're either deceased or we're living with lifelong catastrophic injuries, you know, like myself. And we have to get it in our minds. I believe the next step in terms of, you know, what I could I advise you on is you have to look at a physician, a doctor, a nurse, um, a medical practitioner, a technician, the same way you look at a police officer or a principal at your children's school. Anyone is capable of discrimination. Anyone is capable of having implicit biases. There was an individual who recently asked me on a radio interview, Bianca, do you believe the doctors are intentionally discriminating against us? I said, well, yes and no. I said, I believe that Physicians have biases, uh, several of them. They think that they're oftentimes the smartest person in the room because one, they're the ones that's medically trained in the issue that's being presented in front of them. Number two, very often you get sized up right away by skin color. Think about this for a minute. And I want you to think about it for a minute, Dr. Jackie. Every time I go to the doctor, regardless of what it's for, we all have a chart when we sign in for our doctor's appointment. And that chart is given to the doctor. And some of the things that exist on the chart are these. 
your address, your race, your level of education, your labs, etc. But what does my race, my level of education have to do with my medical treatment? So why is that one of the first things that you can read on the profile of a patient? It's there for a reason, okay? It has to do with insurance. It has to do with being able to size up your patient and make determinations about them. Okay, so if I see an overweight Black woman, here's kind of what I'm thinking even before we get going. Is she diabetic or is she showing symptoms of diabetes? That is the thought process. And if we start looking at a physician the same way we do as a police officer, we get more comfortable mentally with knowing that they can make a mistake or have a bias against us the same way a police officer can. I don't know that most police officers join the the police department thinking, ooh, I'm gonna stop every black man and if he moves too quickly, I'm gonna pull out a gun and I'm gonna shoot him. However, I do believe that there is a level of fear by police officers the moment they see a black man. The moment I see a black man, I'm automatically scared and on the defense. The same thing applies when you show up to your doctor's office. Okay, I've got a black female patient. Let me see what's going on here. Does she have three or four kids and three or four different babies, daddies? That is the reality. So if you understand that and you operate from that premise, your experience with them is going to be so much better and your outcome is going to be so much better because you then give yourself permission to guide your medical practitioner in the best way to suit your needs versus them guiding you based on stereotypes and implicit biases. Because regardless of my level of education, regardless of how much money I make per year, we're supposed to all receive the same standard of care. Standard of care is a legal term that is used to determine negligence by a medical practitioner. It has nothing to do with your education, how overweight you are, whether or not I have diabetes. I could be 16 years old on my second child and be on Medicare and Medicaid and have never gone to school for anything. And my care and treatment should be no different than Michelle Obama's. That is the reality. That is what is expected of them. However, that is not what we're experiencing. We're being stereotyped and typed cast the moment we show up, even before we communicate with the doctor, just based on what's written in our chart. So let me tell you, at, at my the um, medical um, institution that I go to, they take your picture when you're in there. So because um, when I pull up my my chart, my pictures there, they already know what you what you look like because they have your picture on file. What what is that about? Is that the same thing? Yeah. So I'm going to let's let's add a little bit more color to that. And I think this is very important in terms of answering your question. What advice would I give? What do I recommend? First and foremost, I want all the listeners to go get their medical records. Your medical records is like your Bible. And the reason why your medical records are so important is because, number one, if something happened to you tomorrow and you drop dead, your medical records dictate all of the symptoms that you would have reported and that should have been recorded by the doctor in the hospital. This is your first window at a potential lawsuit or to seek justice for your family for what has happened to your lost loved one. Also, your medical records dictate whether or not you've done what you are supposed to do at the discretion of your physician. So if your doctor tells you, Dr. Jackie, when you leave here, I send a prescription in for you at Walgreens or CVS, and I need for you to pick this prescription up and I need you to take it one time every night before you go to bed, and that's gonna help alleviate your pain. If they then find out that you didn't do that, the blame is on you. And that is all documented and it's supposed to be documented. However, here's the catch. 
Very oftentimes, when you go to the doctor, they don't write down all of your symptoms. Some of them don't even write down everything that happened to you. Sometimes they do correct, that. I've had to correct several times. So, but what I found to be alarming is there's so many people out there that have never even seen their own medical records. And the only reason why you need to see your medical records is if something goes wrong and someone is trying to look and see. So that is a cautionary tale. You get your medical records and you thoroughly go through them before something happens. So that way you are prepared because that is your Bible. That is your way to know if the doctors did something wrong. That is to ensure that everything that you're reporting about your symptoms is being properly documented. Because the minute a lawsuit ensues, the first thing that they request are the medical records. It is the holy grail. It is no different. Catch this. Your medical records are no different than a police report. When a cop pulls someone over and they say, okay, I pulled this person over because they had a busted taillight and I saw them reaching for something in their pocket and that's why I shot them. And that's what goes into the police report. But prior to the use of body cameras and iPhones, like in the case of George Floyd, we were 100% relying on the authenticity of what was being written in the document. But as we all know, cops would lie. And they would say, oh, yeah, he was reaching for something and I shot him. And then we find out later that that wasn't even the case. That he had, they hadn't reached for anything. So the same thing works with a physician. They will leave things out. They will put things in. You have to make sure that what is there is actually accurate. And if it's not accurate, you have a legal right to correct it. The next thing I want to bring to your uh, listeners' attention is HIPAA. A lot of people have no idea what HIPAA is. It's a document that you sign every single time that you go into the doctor. It's probably something that you never really spent the time to really look at. But essentially what HIPAA does is it allows you to get a copy of your medical records. It allows you to know what's being placed in your medical records. It also allows you to know who has seen or wants access to your medical records. Make sure you get a copy of that document and that you understand it while you get your medical records. Robin and Robin, you know, that's that's what um, the uh, facility that I use too. they have my chart. If they have a my chart, you owe it to yourself to sign up because you can see everything in there. And I remember going to the doctor and um, I guess he had his assistant transcribing what happened. And I went and read it and I said, this didn't this is not what happened. happened. <laughs> it didn't happen. And I told him, I said, I want it taken out because we never discussed this. And he put something that we, that he said we discussed and we didn't. Um, so if you have access to my chart or whatever they call it in your area, you owe it to yourself to, to set that up and, and have access to it. Um, it also, well, where I am keeps a track of your appointments. You get notifications when you have appointments. These are things that, um, we might not be taking serious, but it is serious to be able to ha have access to that. So if you have the availability, you need to do that, right, Bianca? Yes, um, I would also add that I am a member of a caucus, it's called the Moms Caucus. And we go in front of senators, congressional leaders, and we discuss these real life stories so that we can ring about legislative change and policy change. I would encourage your listeners to know who their local alderman is, their local uh, congressional person. And when these events happen, that is your first gateway in terms of escalating what is happening in our communities. And it is so common, it is so prevalent in our Black communities, but we simply haven't talked about it. It's no different than 
you know, uh, us, you know, feeling comfortable talking about infertility or going to see a mental health practitioner. You know, in the Black community, uh, we have been taught uh, for many generations, in my opinion, you know, when you have an issue or problem, you're to pray about it. Go to church, ask God for your help, go talk to your pastor. We are not trained to go and seek out a PhD psychologist or a psychiatrist or a mental health professional to discuss whatever it is we're dealing with. So we have to get more comfortable with addressing things with the medical community because it truly is a matter of life and death. There are so many black educated women in the last five years that have died from things that were completely 100% preventable. And even with myself, I can tell you the only reason why I know that I survived um, what happened to me uh, my best friend was an emergency room physician. Uh, I understood the legal process um, in regards to how I could file my lawsuit, but I had someone's ear that was asking me certain questions. Bianca, what are your symptoms? Go do this, go do that. Everyone doesn't have access to that. And I think that's the thing that has been the most bittersweet for me is realizing, Bianca, you've been in a legal fight with this hospital for um, going on eight years and you've started a nonprofit and you're doing everything that you can to help people. But the average person doesn't have those resources and they don't understand the legal process. So we're here to help you understand that legal process and to keep you informed of the statistics and what's happening in our community. And it really is a grassroots effort. We have to come together to combat this problem because it's a pandemic, no different than COVID-19, no different than what we see in our criminal justice system when it comes to African-American men. It's the same concept. It's just women and we're dying in childbirth. Mm -hmm. And our babies are dying too. Um, so we are, we want to hear from you, especially if you have experienced, um, you know, discrimination dealing with your healthcare provider, um, childbirth or otherwise. So um, Bianca, how can they reach you? Someone asked for your information sure. on your website. Sure, I'll give it to you again. It's www.fightingourinjustices.com. It's one word, no spaces. Our phone number is 310-579-9896. Again, that's 310 Five seven nine nine eight nine six, and our email address is info i n f o at fightingourinjustices.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram uh, under under fightingourinjustices.com. Uh, we do regular speaking engagements, uh, regular uh, radio spots. Um, earlier in the year, uh, we spoke at the uh, Women's International Convention, and. Uh, we had a lot of excitement around that event because the people that came up to me, Dr. Jackie, were nurses, PhD psychologists, and physicians who said, oh, the same thing happened to me. And I was blown away, you know, mm -hmm. like you too, you know, very similar to the Me Too movement. And if we become more comfortable talking about what we experience, we then uncover that we all have someone in our family that has experienced something like this. They just never mm -hmm. told you because we don't feel confident to have these open conversations and we don't feel confident to talk about this because think about it, you know, who wants to wrap their brain around the fact that the, that their doctor, the person that's injecting them with, let's say a COVID-19 shot or performing a serious heart procedure on them has a racist bone in their body or has implicit biases against a black person. 
But if they can kill us in a church, what makes you think that they can't kill you on an operating table? I'm just posting some of the comments so you can read them if you want to respond. Okay, let me see here. You have to stay on these doctors. As I stated, my brother had COVID. I was in I was in those doctors at one point. I told them about to I told them about how to rock the boat and not going to be sinking. The doctors were surprised and was like, what? I used to tell, bear with me, Dr. Jackie, my eyesight isn't as good as it used to be. Hold on, let's see. Um, I said to them, my brother's money uh, is green like everyone else's and deserves more. I fought for him. I mean, you know, and it, it, I, I understand where this is going and I'm glad that I'm getting those types of responses because it's not just the black maternal health statistics that are alarming. It's not just black women delivering their babies and their babies are dying or the mom that just gave birth is dying. But this is something that we need to talk about in the black and brown communities because it impacts the entire healthcare system. When you show up as a person of color in front of your doctor or nurse, there is a perception and an opinion, whether we want to admit it or not, that is being formulated about you. Think about it for a second, even with yourself. We've all watched the Oscars, right? And there have been plenty of movies over the last year where Latinos and African-Americans have appeared in leading roles. And we're hoping and praying that they win. And then all of a sudden they announce the winner and then a Caucasian male or woman walks up on the stand. And what is the first thing that we're thinking? We all know what we're thinking. Uh, they're not gonna let the black person win. Uh, they're not gonna let the Latino person win. You know, to the point where your black and brown actors started boycotting against the Oscars for their lack of diversity. And we know that we have great talent you know, it pained my existence, you know, last year when Angela Bassett thought she was going to win the Oscars for the movie, The Black Panther. And I'll never forget the look that she had on her face. But it applies in every facet of our lives, especially here in the United States, because we were founded on racism. We were born out of racism. We were born out of slavery and injustice and biases. We are constantly being measured by how we look and how we look equates to money, like your viewer just noted in her response, uh, how we look is being equated to how smart we are, how much money we have, and how well we take care of ourselves. It is a stereotype that Black people don't take good care of themselves. Oh, they're constantly, you know, taking in too much sugar. They're constantly overweight. It's their fault that they're having medical complications. I told her that she couldn't eat all that sugar while she was carrying her baby and she developed gestational diabetes. No, no. What about the black women like myself who were 100% healthy, didn't have diabetes, had no history of diabetes, had a perfect bill of health, went in to deliver a second child, had great insurance, was highly educated, did everything the doctors told her. And then when we get into this situation, I am now an official statistic. If Serena Williams can come out and publicly say, let me tell you what they did to me and I am famous, I am full of wealth, I am full of resources and access. I didn't feel that I was getting better treatment until my white husband walked into the room and demanded certain things of them. You know, Beyonce also has been outspoken about her experience in the delivery room. So many celebrities have come out. So we really have to sit in that. They recognize who Serena Williams was. Mm -hmm. So why is she out here complaining and kicking and screaming about what her maternal health experience was? At the end of the day, no matter how famous she was, she still appeared as an African-American woman, period.
That's right. Um, this is an interesting story. I'll read it. She says, um, this is D, I think it is. I had a chiropractor charge my insurance company over $1,600 for services he never rendered. When I confronted him about it, uh, he asked that I don't report him to the state for fraudulent billing. Wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. And please report him to the state for fraudulent <laughs> billing. But she raises a really good point. So let me add a little color to that. All of the doctors are regulated by the medical board. Okay. But I'm going to be the first person to tell you they do very little. And quite frankly, I feel that very often they will cover up things for them. Um, it has to be extremely egregious for the medical board to really step in and do something, which is why I tell people, go speak to your local alderman, go speak to your local congressional figure. You know, here in Los Angeles, we had Karen Bass, we had Maxine Waters. Those are heavy hitters for getting in front of Congress. And they did a lot of work for us, but everyone doesn't have a Maxine Rodgers or a Karen Bass or a Cory Booker, you know, being able to show up and, you know, preach to, to, to the, you know, to the leaders of our, our country. But I believe that we need to understand like what your viewer wrote, what the insurance means and what it equates to regarding the care that we received. Let me give you an example. I didn't know this until I started doing this work. A C-section is more expensive than a vaginal birth. So very often you will hear black women say, oh, they encouraged me to have a C-section. I didn't understand why. I didn't feel that I needed one. Well, the reason sometimes that happens is because they're gonna make more money off of a C-section. It's a surgery, it's more complicated. A vaginal birth is not considered to be a surgery. So just like what she said, Medicaid fraud, Medicare fraud, it happens every single day. Those are defined as white collar crimes. So I want you to sit in that for a second. Doctors and nurses get arrested uh, or get in trouble by the DOJ very often. We just don't hear about it because they don't wanna put that on the news. They don't wanna put the fact that you know, a Caucasian male doctor just got indicted by the U.S. Department of Justice for giving out, you know, fake prescriptions or backdating prescription drugs. Um, even in my case, I had a doctor backdating prescription drugs. So mm. if I need you to think about that, because now we're getting into the territory of ethics. Doctors can be very unethical, but we somehow think that because there are doctors and we give them this stature, we put them on a pedestal, that they're not capable of hurting us or making bad decisions or having a bad judgment call. They're not perfect. They're humans, just like you and I. So we have to remove them from this pedestal of thinking that they're like Jesus. They're not. They're just like a cop. They have a job to do and they're going to protect themselves and the entities that employ them. Yeah, and my cousin, I think I told you this, um, lost her baby at eight months. She had clemencia. And she kept complaining that something wasn't right. And they kept sending her home. And her baby died. I think she was eight eight months pregnant. She, I mean, she was devastated. You know, that's... And, she, and she, those, those mm -hmm. stories are so common, uh, Dr. Jackie, that it pains my existence. I have converse with so many women, a young lady um, out of New York who lost two twin babies and she delivered the babies and she was saying, you know, please take them to the ICU, get them care, try to keep them alive, put them on ventilators because they were struggling to breathe. They were premature. And while we understand that a premature baby may or may not make it, 
It was the amount of effort that was being put in for her babies. She didn't feel that there was any effort being put in for her babies. It was just an automatic, they're not going to make it. We're not even going to try. Oh, wow. And for her, it felt like, well, wait a minute. Are my children not as important as someone else's? You know, if they were white, would they have received a, a, a better, you know, outcome and experience? Well, the data is saying yes. White people and white babies are receiving a better outcome than us. And we cannot lie about these statistics. The data is there, just like the data is there when we look at what race is the most incarcerated in the United States, African-American men. And then we'll be told, well, that's because African-American men sell drugs and they don't graduate from high school or they don't graduate from college and they're hard headed. No, 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 wait a minute. I can tell you wholeheartedly, having gone through trial myself, that the system is rigged. It's like going to Vegas to gamble. It is not designed for you to win. The system is not designed for Black people to have positive and healthy outcomes. So I am here to let our communities know that so that you can have a birthing plan, so that you can prepare and you can go out there and get resources for yourself. There are numerous nonprofits in your local city, your local state, like mine, fighting our injustices for women of color. They are there to give you resources. There are nonprofits out there that will provide you with a breast pump if you can't afford one, provide you with diapers if you're struggling in that regard. There are plenty of resources. We just don't hear about them. And part of why we don't hear about them is because we don't have these discussions enough. Oftentimes we're afraid. I was very afraid to come out and speak publicly about what happened to me, utterly afraid. But I got to a point where they were beating me down so badly. I finally said to myself, you know what? It's time to get into some good trouble, like John Lewis so poignantly stated. Um, and that's where we are right now when it comes to African-American and Latino healthcare in the United States. Yeah, and this is this has really been great. We got so many comments, um, Bianca. Maybe later on you can go back. We're on right now. We're live on YouTube, five Facebook pages, LinkedIn, and um, so we're pretty much everywhere. But I, they're coming from everywhere. You can go back and and comment if you like if you have time. Sure. I will definitely go in and look at the comments um, and comment back with individuals. But, you know, we're really here to help. We're really here to be a resource um, for anything that is legally related uh, to malpractice, as well as a resource for providing educational resources around a positive birthing experience. I highly recommend doulas and midwives for those that don't know what they are. Like I mentioned before, they essentially act very similar to a nurse, but they're an independent party not being paid by the hospital. They're there to ensure that you have a healthy outcome and a healthy baby. And historically, many moons ago, that is how and who delivered our children were midwives and doulas. Mm -hmm. And once our country saw that they could make money off of the birthing process. That is how we got into obstetrics and gynecologists and OBGYNs now taking that over. But my recommendation is to look at them as an alternative or as an advocate. Midwives and doulas are allowed to come into the hospital while you deliver a baby. So you just want that person there that has your back or has your spouse's back or has your girlfriend's back. You need that extra voice and those extra set of eyes because it truly is a matter of life and death. Yeah. And so, um, Say the website again. Can somebody type the website? Because I keep asking. What What is sure. the website again? Sure. The website is, again, I'll go more slowly, www.fighting, 
ourinjustices.com. And I'll spell it. So fighting, F-I-G-H-T-I-N-G-O-U-R-I-N-J-U-S-T-I-C-E-S. There's an S on the end of injustices, fightingourinjustices.com. We are on Instagram. Uh, We recently uh, joined Instagram and you can follow us there as well. And we are under fighting our injustices there as well. You can also view our 14 minute short documentary on YouTube. And the title is Black Moms at Risk, Bianca's Story. Bianca spelled B-I-A-N-C-A. Uh, the Dark Secret of the U.S. Health System. I highly recommend watching the documentary because it will give you additional statistics, additional insight. And it is really, in my opinion, uh, the best way to proceed into a pregnancy if you're planning to start a family. Because my hope in doing all of this work is that you walk into your doctor's office, you walk into the hospital, viewing them no differently than you view a lawyer, a politician, a teacher, a cop, we're all humans here. You have to stop putting them on pedestals and thinking that they will give you the best medical outcome. There are people out there that are doctors and nurses that have biases and that whether they realize it or not, have very discriminatory practices. You know, we're not gonna save every doctor from being racist. So it's your job to save yourself from someone who is. Oh, by the way, we want to say um, a shout out to iWoman TV, Kathleen Trigg Jones. Um, We're also broadcasting live on her platform, too, and I forgot that we were. I just happened to look up. So um, uh, shout out to iWoman TV as well. Uh, Thank you so much. Did you? Okay, I think you muted. Bianca, I don't hear you now. I don't know what happened. I don't, I don't hear you. Can you hear me, Dr. Jackson? Yes, I can okay. now. Sorry, you we lost the phone number. Me. The phone number is starting to, to ring. <laughs> so some of your listeners must have called. So oh, okay. my apologies for that. Well, Do you have we, any more questions for me? Does anyone have any questions before we wrap up? Um, I did. I, I managed to type the website on all of the pages. Perfect. So um, they'll be able to to reach you. Does anyone have any questions? Um, Suzanne says, thank you for um, doing this important work, Bianca. Um, And someone on LinkedIn said, thank you for today's informative webinar. Uh, Robin says, so insightful and enlightening. Thank you. And uh, someone says, how can community engagement and education be improved to raise awareness about maternal health disparities? So I believe that's going to happen from a grassroots effort through your local nonprofits. So what I mean by that, for instance, is there are a lot of nonprofits that are associated with congressional leaders or aldermen, and it is the congressional leader's job and the alderman's job to bring things to the administration. So for instance, Kamala Harris is very aware of the Black maternal health crisis, is currently speaking on this topic. There are a variety of coalitions and caucuses that are there. There's the Black Maternal Health Caucus, there's the Mama's Caucus, which I am a part of. It's essentially a coalition of nonprofits, uh, political figures who all have a vested interest in improving Black maternal health. 
So you have to go to your local nonprofit organizations that are in this space, uh, as well as your local alderman and congressional leader. Um, it's, it's the fastest way is to go through a nonprofit. So we essentially act as a liaison and a bridge to our congressional leaders and to the White House, because that's who can really begin to break these barriers because they're responsible for approving hospital policy and procedure, legislative change. And also, you know, the same way you have a book club, do I, I'm assuming a lot of your listeners are familiar with Oprah's book club. You know, when you all get together, you know, we love to play spades. We love to have a nice barbecue, you know, as the holidays are approaching and you're around your women of color friends or even the men getting together who know of someone that is pregnant, just broach the subject. Hey, did you know that in the United States, uh, black women are three to four times more likely to die in childbirth than any other race? Are, are you prepared for that? Do you know what you need to do so that you don't become a statistic? If you don't know what you need to do, you need to reach out to your local nonprofits. You can simply Google Black maternal health nonprofits. You will see a variety of different nonprofits come up. You put in your zip code and then you can begin to use them as a resource for yourself. But it is grassroots, traditional uh, democracy that we that we've seen in this country. But if you want to make it happen, I would I would advise you to go back to when Barack Obama was running for president. Nobody in their right mind thought that Barack Obama would become the first black president of the United States. Uh, but he was hopeful. And not only was he hopeful, he was everywhere, grassroots, uh, speaking to people, engaging with the community. And we have to do the same thing to change this uh, pandemic that we're experiencing. You know, Trayvon Martin, when he was murdered, that really set off, in my opinion, us as a community addressing uh, police brutality and us as a black community saying, we've had enough, enough is enough. Black lives matter and we're not gonna stand for this. And if we have to go back to, you know, a war again between the North and the South to get this right again, you know, we're willing to do that. You know, what I witnessed when George Floyd was murdered uh, right before our eyes, uh, that was the first time in my lifespan that I ever saw someone that wasn't black upset about the treatment of black people. So that's really where it's going to start in your local communities, addressing, you know, different nonprofit organizations and political leaders in your own backyard, reaching out to those individuals and sharing your stories and your opinions the same way you've shared them with me. And I think the other big area is we can't be scared. If you want change, you can't be scared to talk about it and to say, hey, it's a problem and it's affecting us. Because unless we talk about it, no one knows that it's a problem. So that is really where all of this starts. Dr. Jackie, I want to thank you because you've given me a platform. You're giving others a platform to talk about these issues and to feel safe. Um, if we don't give ourselves these platforms to feel safe, nobody else is. You need to look at what we're doing and how to do it the same way we created historically Black colleges and universities. The reason why we have historically Black colleges and universities is because no one wanted to put us in a college. So we said, well, forget it. We'll create our own. So that's how real change comes, uh, in my opinion. Right. And so um, please, please, please share this on your platforms because that's grassroots. That's how we get the word out. And if anyone wants to share their story, email Bianca, because we are, we do have a, I can't really speak on it, but we are working on some other things um, to help get the um, word out. But we need to hear your stories. So if you have a story, email her. What is your email again? Info, I-N-F-O, at fightingourinjustices.com. And it's all one word, F-I-G-H-T-I-N-G. 
O-U-R-I-N-J-U-S-T-I-C-E-S. Fighting our well, it's, just like, info. it's just like the website. Except just like the website. Info just on like the, the website. Front. So, and, and um, I'll we, go ahead. I'll tell you this, Dr. Jackie. I get calls every week with someone saying the same thing happened to me. They did something similar to me. That's what they did to my father when he went in uh, for a heart procedure. Or yet my mother died of diabetes and we couldn't get any help on the floor. These stories are so prevalent and they're so common. So I just encourage people to start speaking up and speaking out. We can't be afraid. And we have the power to really bring about change. We really do. Thank you, Bianca. This Thank you. Thank you so um, we much. thank all of our listeners. Um, yes, someone asked, is this recorded? It will be on all of our pages forever. So you can go back if you missed the beginning, whatever, you can go back and replay it at any time. Um, share, share, share. I need your help. I need to get the word out. We need to get the word out. So please share it. Um, you, If you can't share it from here, you can go to our YouTube page, um, WBWETV live and you can um, copy the url uh, i'll put that on the pages and you can you can share from there um, sometimes it's not that easy or maybe people don't know how to share from these sites but you can always share the url on youtube thank you so much bianca god bless you yeah. god bless um, you too everyone thank you for tuning in we appreciate you and i as i always say i love you there's nothing you can do about it and until i love you dr jackie <laughs> thank you so much for having me we're doing god's work and Amen. God says, God says, keep going. Thank you. And we and we will. And the best is yet to come. God bless. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.